Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Folland. Welcome to another one. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by AXA Business Insurance. Because let's face it, running a business by yourself is hard. So hurrah for AXA making something easy. You can tailor your policy to fit your business, so you only pay for what you actually need. And they give you access to a legal and tax helpline, there should you need it. Get cover for your work, your tools, your reputation. It feels better being protected, being freelance. Work hard, ensure easy. Search AXA Business Insurance. And here's the grown-up bit. AXA Insurance UK PLC is authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Whew. Right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance. For writer Momina Asif. There is this fear of losing out on work. And if you say, no, I don't have the bandwidth to take on more work this week or this month, I fear that maybe the client will run away. Maybe they won't, but I haven't tried it because I was too afraid to do that. I've seen people, if they hire people through some freelancing platforms like Fiverr, they're looking for writers for $5 per blog, and then they get that quality of work. And then they say, oh, I hired someone from Pakistan, or I hired someone from India, or I hired someone from Bangladesh, or whatever. And the quality of the work was not good. But the thing is, is it the quality of the work, or is it you are getting the quality of the work based on the amount of money that you are willing to spend on that project? I am still uh, encouraging everyone to take time off if they can because it not only helped me just take some time off and focus on journaling and meditation and um, I, I started also started going to the gym which has been a lot helpful but also it has made me reprioritize what I want with my freelance career. Yeah, this week we are off to Pakistan to chat to Momina, her story coming up in a moment. Now, I should say... I didn't realise, but it will become apparent, that Momina has only been freelance since January 2022. We actually recorded this conversation in July 2022. So clearly, she's not been freelance for that long. And normally, I don't speak to freelancers who have been freelance for such a short period of time for this podcast. Because as we all know, it's a steep learning curve, those first few years of being freelance. But that said, there is so much in this episode. And actually, it made me reconsider because it made me think, actually, sure, listening to somebody who's been freelance for 10 years is brilliant. But their experience of how they got started 10 years ago, and the techniques and technologies available back then might not be relevant to what's um, around now. You see what I mean? And so Momina is fresh to being found and finding work in that way. Also, her take on burnout and taking time out and oh, I don't I don't want to spoil what's about to come but basically I'm just saying there is a ton of stuff in this episode despite her having been freelance for such a short period of time and I'm glad that this episode is sitting between Stephen from last week and the Dean who will be with us next week both who have been freelance for a decade and I think it just goes to show that we can all learn from each other, no matter how long we've been freelance. And this is probably a good time for me to point out as well, that if you are new to freelancing, maybe you've just got started, maybe you've been freelancing for a year or so, I recommend, of course I would, <laughs> it's my course, of course I'd recommend it, but I'd recommend checking out the course at beingfreelance.com. It's called How to Get Started being freelance. It's funny, when people join the community, they, they write down what their challenges are being freelance. And somebody recently wrote, um, getting started. <gasps> well, <laughs> what do you know? There really is a course for that. 
all about getting found, setting up with clients, setting up as a business, getting paid, trying to avoid burnout. So please do, if you are new to freelance, take a look at it. You don't have to get it if it's not for you. That's fine. For that matter, even if you do get it, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. God, I wish I had it when I started. And you really can have it. Go check it out. The course is at beingfreelance.com. All right, let's crack on. Let's head to Pakistan and chat to this week's guest, and that is freelance writer Momana Asif. Hey, Momana. Hey, Steve. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, As ever, how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance? Yeah, absolutely. Let me just start by saying that I basically graduated as a chemical engineer. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and when I was doing my bachelor's in chemical engineering, uh, I first learned about uh, freelancing and that you can have a career as a freelancer. And basically, a couple of seniors, they had an online entertainment blog, um, you know, celebrity gossip stuff. And they were looking for writers to write some short 200, 300 daily stories. And so I said, yeah. And turns out I was pretty natural at writing. I did not need a lot of instructions and basically enjoyed it a lot more than engineering. And <laughs> I remember, uh, you know, quite clearly thinking that maybe writing can be something that I can, you know, pursue after graduation. And when I graduated, I started applying for both engineering and writing jobs. And I was like, okay, let, let's just try my luck and see what, what I get. So I got a job as a junior writer at a tech company. And from then on, there was no going back as a writer. And I was like, this is something I'm going to do as a writer. And I love every aspect of writing, content marketing. I got really involved in content um, marketing as well. Uh, and I was just learning from YouTube tutorials and podcasts and social media and just quickly started, you know, taking care of my company's uh, monthly newsletter and social media. And that was very exciting. And I was like, okay, content marketing is something I'm going to do. And But at the unfortunately, at the end of 2020, I had some health issues that I still struggle to uh, to this day and struggle with to this day. So I had a very restricted diet. I had a lot of side effects from medication. So it was really becoming very difficult to be in an office for like eight to nine hours a day. And then obviously, apart from that, there was COVID. And then the company I was working, which will remain nameless. Uh, so <laughs> uh, they started basically forcing people to come back to office. And that's when I realized that, okay, Maybe I need to, you know, think about freelancing seriously because I can't be in an office. So I resigned from my job in January of 2020 and did a huge announcement on Twitter. And the next day I basically booked two clients and I was, I'm still working with them today. So that's basically just a story of how I got into full-time freelancing. So sorry, you said January 2020, but do you mean January 2021? No, no, January 2022. Sorry, sorry, my bad. It's January 2022. Oh, 2022. Yeah, yeah. So I just recently started full-time freelancing. Well, isn't that interesting? Because I tell you what, from your online presence, you wouldn't know that. So how did you get those first clients? So, uh, yeah, that's an interesting uh, story. And that's why you can't really know how uh, maybe uh, it can look like that I've been freelancing for quite some time. So uh, back when COVID hit and everyone was working from home, there was a huge trend of personal branding all of a sudden. And everyone was uh, uh, focusing on their, building their personal brands on LinkedIn. And I jumped on that bandwagon too. I was like, yeah, sure, why not? And then I started talking about content marketing, content writing on LinkedIn and from there, I learned that there was an existence of marketing Twitter. And I was like, mm, what, what's that? And I should, you know, maybe check that out. And I had already deleted my previous Twitter account. So I was like, let me just make a new one. 
And I just gave Twitter a try again. And from there, I built a, a personal brand slash an online existence. And I was interacting with people, with uh, writers, with freelancers, with content marketers already before quitting my job. So that was a huge uh, plus when I basically announced on Twitter that I am now doing, now going full-time freelancing or will be doing full-time freelancing. That was really helpful for me because then people started referring me and there was a lot of support as well. So even now, I, this is how, just how I get my clients. So I am not a huge fan of LinkedIn anymore, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Twitter, I doubled down on it. I properly made relationships on it. So that's really helpful, uh, building your personal brand. What would you say then that you did on Twitter in particular in that year yeah. to sort of to build your online presence so that you had those relationships that supported you in the way that it did, did when you went freelance? Oh, that's a really nice question. So uh, basically, I, I know the buzzword is that, you know, be yourself, but it's really hard to be yourself when you don't know what to talk about. So, uh, <laughs> what, I, so what I did was basically, I just decided what I'm going to be not exactly known for, but if someone uh, thinks about my Twitter uh, profile, what's the one thing, you know, they uh, will think about. So at, in the beginning, I just started, I decided to just talk about content marketing, how to write blogs and how to, and then I, at, uh, I think about a year ago, maybe in July of July of 2021 or August of 2021, I did a 30 day series as well. It was like content writing one-on-one series, something like that. That that helped a lot as well. So it, it was basically just me talking about my uh, what I've learned so far as a writer. It was not about me as a freelancer because at that point, I, the company I was working on, which shall remain <laughs> nameless again, um, they did not like people working as a freelancer, as a side hustle. So I could not say that. And I was not even doing freelancing at that point. I was just building my presence as a content writer. Mm. And that's how I met other marketers marketers uh, other writers and then the whole thing about maybe building your personal brand or just being active on social media is just not talk about you know not talking in a void but also interacting a lot and engaging a lot so I did that and you know commenting on other people's um if they were doing some uh, helpful threads or just putting out some content that was helpful or even fun when you engage with them uh, and it builds the relationship and did you have a website, for example, when you went freelance? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had a really bad website when I first started. <laughs> so back in January of 2022, uh, I had a really bad website and I was not proud of it. I had spent a lot of bucks on it and I was really not proud of it. And I was like, um, this does not reflect who I am. And then through Twitter, someone told me that you can make your own website and it, it won't even cost you so much because I could not afford uh, to spend a lot of money on it again. So someone told me you can go on card.co and make your own one page website. You'll have more customization options and stuff like that. And th that's basically what I did. So then I immediately in January, I was like, let me just build another website. Let me show my whole, my personality on it because that other website is super boring. No one's going to hire me. We're looking at that website. So I just made this new website, uh, talked about a little bit of my experience, uh, added some articles that I'd already written for some clients. And that was it. And so all of your work, yeah. you're saying, has come via Twitter. Yeah, for now, yes. But where are those clients? So... Almost all of my clients are based in the US. And I've mm -hmm. also worked with uh, one person who is based in Australia and another person who's based in the UK. But there was uh, there were one 
uh, time pro- uh, clients or one-time projects. And uh, now my uh, long-term clients are based in the U.S. And I haven't had a chance to work with local Pakistani-based clients yet. How do you find the sort of time zone differences? So what what would be the time difference between where you are and, say, I don't know, New York? Uh, I think uh, with New York, it's like um, maybe 10 a 10 hour difference with San Francisco. I know it's 12 hours. So I'm not sure about New York. I think it's uh, around six to 10 hours difference. But right. the thing is that I am more of a night owl. I am really grumpy in the mornings. <laughs> <laughs> so like it takes me around five hours to properly wake up and like, um, accept that I'm existing. So, <laughs> um, so I normally am working around uh, till 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. in the night. So it's pretty easy, but um, uh, but the one thing that I make sure to tell my clients and um, and be very upfront about is that I will take about a um, day to get back to you if you're and I normally only communicate through emails. So do I, I just make sure that uh, that expectation is before before we start. There is that expectation that I will be getting back to you uh, at least after a day. So give me twenty four hours to respond uh, because of this huge time difference. And sometimes I. When I wake up and I see my email, there is an email that I have received at around 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. And I am getting up at around 12 or 1 p.m. So I, I don't hurry into replying because I know at that point those people are sleeping. So like I have mm. plenty of time to just um, get my tea, get my coffee and just, um, you know, properly wake up and acknowledge that I have these emails. So, yeah, <laughs> mornings are super <laughs> Morning, they're super slow for me. Um, not not really a great morning person. <laughs> How have you found the business side of being freelance? Oh, that one's really hard for me personally. And I'm I'm really good at, you know, just getting the work, getting a content brief filled up and just started writing on my blog or whatever I'm working on. But the admin work of keeping a track of all the pitches that I was sending or even the admin work of uh, invoicing and making sure that I am on top of all of this is personally has been really hard for me. I do want to give a shout out to Harlow. I'm sure you know about that. But if you don't, uh, so it's basically... Um, a platform for freelancers, they can track their invoices and track their timings and uh, on, on what, what projects they're working on, track all of their uh, all of their clients as well. Yeah, that that's been really helpful. But I'm still I'm still learning a lot of about the admin or the business side of things. Do you know other people who are doing what you do? As in, do you get to talk about the business side of things? Uh, there, there there is a huge challenge when it comes to being a freelancer from Pakistan. Shout out to Joanna Rutter, who I met on Twitter again. So she uh, introduced me to a Slack community. It's a pop, so it's Melter uh, Seltzer. It's a Slack community and Rachel runs that. And I got introduced to that community and Rachel helped me a lot with how the process, you know, she explained everything from, because when I was starting out, I was very confused about the whole process of it. So how do you approach a client and how do you onboard a client and then, what do you say when you're onboarding a client and after, you know, submitting a project and uh, finalizing that, how do you send an invoice and uh, what do you do after that? So there is this whole process that I was ex- extremely unclear about. And Rachel helped me a lot with that. Even now I talk to her about uh, contracts and proposals and uh, the business side and the business side of these things. But 
again, I was uh, I, I started saying that as a person based in Pakistan, and there is a lot of uh, there are a lot of things that are not available to me, like PayPal does not work here or Stripe when both these things don't work here. And that has been really difficult, especially in the beginning, convincing people to just pay me through uh, the platform that I use and I use Wise uh, for payments. So that has been extremely difficult. Um, so a lot of the opportunities that I see uh, are, you know, uh, for freelancers um, or is it just restricted to freelancers based in the US or in the UK? So that has been uh, quite challenging as well, because for obvious reasons, because when, when you're not obviously allowed in the room uh, because of where you're based, you obviously do, you don't get the opportunity to impress people or sh- through your portfolio and get them to take a chance at you or work with uh, you. So that was really frustrating in the beginning. Now that I'm working with really good clients and my portfolio is expanding, it is getting easier. But this particular thing of work restricted to people based in certain uh, locations is really frustrating. I, I still don't understand the reasoning behind it. Sometimes people say it's because of taxes or payment issues, but the people that I work with are based in the US and they don't have those issues. So I, I don't understand that, but it's still, I'm not going to lie, it's still very frustrating. So you've you come up against that thing where they might prefer to hire writers from their own country rather than go go with you, for example. Yeah, so basically, um, and and the one thing that bugs me a lot is uh, when they say they want native English speakers. And I'm like, um, come on, uh, <laughs> because I have been speaking English since I was born, basically, and I've been speaking English. Um, so that's hurtful, actually, to say that you're not, mm. so, so since you're based in Pakistan and you're not a native, because since my uh, official language is not English, so that's why I'm not a, I, I personally think that I, because I speak English with my friends, I speak English, I'm speaking English to you, I'm, I speak English with my clients, so I um, have very strong hold of the language, so I don't understand. Perhaps it's like an ignorance where they simply haven't tried. Yeah, it might be, and I understand if where they might come from because I've seen people, you know, if they um, hire people through some freelancing platforms like uh, Fiverr or Upwork, and I see if they're looking for writers for five dollars uh, per blog, and then they get that quality of work, and then they say, "Oh, I hired someone from you know Pakistan, or I hired someone from India, or I hired someone from Bangladesh, or whatever," and the quality of the work was not good. But the thing is, is it the quality of the work, or is it you know you you are getting the quality of the work based on the amount of money that you were willing to spend on that project mm. so i think a lot of it is that as well um we can go uh, quite in depth on this and still not know the answer but <laughs> <laughs> firstly i've talked to uh, some uh, other freelancers based in pakistan and uh, they're quite frustrated at that as well and especially if you don't have a good online existence and if you don't have a good portfolio um to back you up as a writer or as a freelancer uh people are very hesitant to take a chance at you yeah but you do have those two things and as that portfolio has grown have you noticed it become easier did you notice a difference Oh, yeah, definitely. Six months ago, I was just working, maybe ghostwriting for some uh, clients. I was not allowed to talk about those projects. Or I was just working, uh, just writing one blog for one client, and they were not even that significant. You know, uh, as a company, they were not that well known. So it was uh, frustrating as well. And it was really, uh, my portfolio, honestly, was not that impressive. And uh, it took a while to get 
do where now I, I just send someone my portfolio I just send some my, 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 my pricing sheet and I've written um, you know on my pricing sheet I've mentioned the people that I work with or the clients I work with and I've gotten this response that I they, they think my portfolio is impressive so yes that that has been really helpful and um, that also allowed me to increase my rates a little bit uh, compared to when or my rates were when I started back in January so that has definitely helped. I'm intrigued that you said you send them a pricing sheet. So you have your website. So that's what I've seen. Uh, yeah. If I were to hit that contact me button and say, oh, hey, Momina, I'm interested in, in working with you. Would you then send me other pieces of work? And uh, like, what would you send me then? Okay, so my portfolio is a lot based on marketing or e-commerce uh, articles. And if they're looking for something different, then I make sure that I send those articles as well uh, when mm. I uh, reply back to them and then I also send them a pricing sheet and the pricing sheet idea was basically Rachel's in the community that I'm in the Slack community that I'm part of and she said to add all of your um, so if your if your services are blogs email and social media content so make uh, so you know add those prices at, uh, of your services and just send them so it what how it helps is you know, uh, money talk can be a little uncomfortable. Personally, it is quite uncomfortable for me. So, um, and the back and forth or negotiation, I don't like that. So you can just send them a pricing sheet. These are my rates. And you can even do a package of some sort or package of six blogs or four blogs per month. That totally depends on what you want. Basically, uh, this helps to just start a conversation around uh, your rates and just let them know that these are the rates I'll be sticking with. And then I also send them a small paragraph of my process. And my process is basically that I just get them to fill a content brief. And then on that, based on that content brief, I get them to, I, I write in our detailed outline, which I get them to uh, sign off on. Then I send them a blog and I send them the blog and then the edits. Uh, if there are edits, I do the edits and fix the edits and then, and then the invoice. So that's my process. And I make sure to add that in the email that I'm sending as well. So everything is already talked about upfront before they decide to work with me. And do you find then that you've got plenty of work coming your way? Do you have too much work? Too little work? So, so I took, uh, so due to some mental health issues, I took a hiatus in J June and I'm just now coming back to work and just now sorting through my inbox. Um, and back in May, it was getting too overwhelming. Yes, I got a lot of work. And I think a lot of that stress and overwhelming um, situation made my mental health worse. But that is something that I have learned that, um, you know, I need to prioritize my calendar and be very upfront about uh, with clients because there is this fear of losing out on work. And if you say, no, I don't have the bandwidth to take on more work this week or this month, or we can work uh, through this project for in, in, in maybe the next month or the next uh, or the next two months. Um, you and especially I fear that maybe the client will run away. Maybe they won't, but I haven't tried it because I was like too afraid to do that. But now I will be, uh, now I'll be making sure that um, I'm very upfront about my uh, calendar and I'm uh, very upfront about my availability because uh, that was very overwhelming. May was extremely, <laughs> I was extremely stressed out. I took on way more work uh, than I could handle. And yeah, and then I had to take off sometime in June. And when you took time off, how how long did you take off? I basically took about uh, three 
three weeks off and I, I said I'll take the whole June off but then I got bored and I did some I did, <laughs> I, I, I did some work on and off um, not not official client work but I did some work for myself some work for I wrote a blog but so yeah three 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 weeks off so three weeks and did you also sort of like disappear from Twitter for example did you stop being visible did you kind of like just totally step away Oh, I completely stepped away from Twitter, LinkedIn, Slack, everything. Um, and I was using my laptop for binge watching and I, I just completely um, quit Slack and I completely turned off my notifications from everything. I even deleted Twitter um, and LinkedIn from my phone. So I completely disappeared. Did that cause an issue when you came back? It sounded like your inbox was still full despite not being there. It can be something that we worry about. Oh, I can't possibly disappear from being online because then I'll stop getting work. But it sounded like you needed it, but also but it worked. Okay, so it worked because I was very upfront about it. I sound like I'm a huge celebrity and people are waiting for my tweets. <laughs> but uh, I, I was very upfront about people that um, I will be taking some time off. I won't be. And the, and the thing is, with, with the community, with your own community and with this, the marketing Twitter um, community, they're these people are very supportive and very helpful and everyone was encouraging me to take time off. And those are the people who are basically, um, I'm not saying the whole marketing Twitter is my client, but those are the, basically those are the people that uh, are my clients. And, um, and I, I got a lot of messages or DMS on Twitter about how, uh, they are also get, uh, getting encouraged to take some time off because I am doing so and because I'm being so transparent about it. Mm. And I, I, what I thought was having a, a proper meltdown on the on my timeline was basically encouraging people to take time off as well. So I am still uh, encouraging everyone to take time off if they can. And um, because it, it has definitely helped, uh, not only uh, helped me just take uh, some time off and um, focus on, uh, journaling and meditation and um, I, I started also started going to the gym which has been a lot helpful but also it has made me reprioritize what I want with my freelance career um, do I just want to constantly work 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 and uh, you know join out blog after blog or do I want something else and I it, it, this has uh, this break has helped me uh, reprioritize a lot of that that's great and I love that that shows that actually you know it could be tempting to hide like a struggle and just sort of like disappear for a bit and take care of yourself and that would be totally understandable but actually being transparent about it and explaining to everyone including your clients but also your community you know it shows the value in that I love that yeah definitely I was really scared about uh, talking especially not with the Twitter community but I was really scared about talking about it to my clients Um, and I was I literally put it off um i had written an email like properly uh, explaining myself and it was like a huge email explaining everything and i was like i uh, should i send it should i send it not and then i talked to um uh, talked to a couple of people and they just told me you should be very honest about it and just tell them that uh, this is something you are struggling with and you don't need to over explain and that's exactly what I did. I just told them that this is something I'm struggling with. I will be back, but I really need some time off. And I hope you understand. And the thing is, they were not only understanding, but I, the I response um, that I got from one client of mine, who in turn, um, uh, you know, uh, told me about struggling herself was uh, really um, 
not overwhelming but it was uh, overwhelming in a nice way i i just felt like uh, we're all humans at the at the end of the day we're all struggling we don't know how much anyone is struggling but you being honest about your struggles can help someone else at least accept that for themselves you know a lot of people even sometimes i'm not uh, str- uh, accepting that i'm struggling or i'm not i'm struggling uh, with my mental health issues or with a lot of uh, you know a lot of the, the things pandemic fatigue or the zoom fatigue or something like that and when you see other people being honest about it and being transparent about it you realize that oh this is what i've been going through as well but i just did not accept it yes back with momona in a moment but i just want to let you know that this episode of being freelance is also supported by ipse ipse the association of independent professional and the self-employed that's why everybody calls it ipse one of the reasons i first joined was because you get your first five thousand pounds of life insurance they give you tax investigation cover contract failure cover jury service cover illness and injury cover tax and legal helplines money saving offers oh the fact that you can save on the likes of apple products samsung uh, your supermarket delivery eating out and by the way i should say specific things like apple and samsung these offers do change from time to time but that's what you can get at the moment and it's certainly what i have made the most of on top of that Ipsy are also always having your back to government. They are lobbying on behalf of the self-employed. If they didn't exist, the government could easily ignore us because we are all just solo people. Here we are clubbing together. Anyway, I hugely recommend it. If you are a UK freelancer, check them out. ipse.co.uk. Tell them I said hi. Okay, let's get back to mom and his story. You said that you, you know, you couldn't go back to working in an office. You wanted to sort of create a career, I guess, that fitted your your health, your lifestyle, and all of that. Yeah. Um, so, would you say that you've achieved that? Oh, definitely. And that is something that I'm never going back to. Um, office uh, life is not for me at all. I think uh, conversations about mental health, conversation about disabilities, or um, the requirements of a neurodiverse person and stuff like that. Uh, these conversations are not happening in Pakistan right now, unfortunately, but um, these things exist. People with these uh, disabilities and people with these conditions exist, and they do need uh, some extra encouragement, sometimes help, and sometimes uh, just a, a different set of uh, standards than other people. And that's uh, that's okay. Um, but unfortunately, this is not uh, conversations about this are not happening in Pakistan right now. You're you're expected to, especially in the corporate work, you're just expected to come to work, non-complaining about anything and sit in an office chair for nine hours, eight hours straight. So, yeah, at least I won't be going back to office work in, in Pakistan. You've created a job which allows you to work the hours that suit you and your personality as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Also, you said when you took that June hiatus, I quite like the fact that it sounded like it sort of made you stop and reconsider because it can be very easy just to go from one job to the next to the next to the next. And yeah. it made you stop. Like, what did you, what was it that you kind of thought about that you want to be doing differently? As I mentioned, uh, May was extremely overwhelming. And that's basically, that was basically because, um, A, I was really afraid of losing out on any work. So, um, you know, we have this fear that if I uh, pass on this opportunity, will another opportunity come up or uh, will I get in any other job? This is also one thing that I've struggled with as a freelancer uh, is this constant hustle to get work and this constant hustle to get more clients, especially if you don't already have 
a list of you know long term clients so may was extremely overwhelming because of that and now that i have taken some time to think about what caused that all of that stress and how i can limit all of that i've realized that i just need to uh, be very uh, transparent with myself about the kind of work i can take the kind of clients i want to work with and the amount of uh, work i want to do in a day so i don't want to work on weekends and i'm not the kind of person who will say i'll work from like 9 am to 5 pm i because i just start working actually at 5 pm so <laughs> i'm just um i just want to in, from now on i just want to work when i'm feeling the most productive rather than just staring at a blank screen and strolling through twitter and just writing one sentence and then going back to scrolling through twitter and just wasting my time basically um and just you know giving myself the illusion that i'm working it, it it doesn't work it doesn't help so what i'm trying to instill in myself is just working when i'm the most productive and actually working during that time you know 3 4 hours or whatever it takes per day and and that is something that i will be focusing a lot on uh and it's one one more thing that i am going to focus a lot on is to just figure out or just to you know have a visual representation of my calendar because i am a visual learner so i'll have a visual uh, representation of my calendar on my desk with all the deadlines that i need to that i need to work on in a week or in a month and i'll make sure that before getting back to uh, any new client uh, check my calendar and see if i do have uh, the space to take on this uh, project and if i don't i'll just be very clear with them very transparent with them and if they uh, if they can move that uh, project um downwards to the next month that's fine if they can't then i'll just say no because um i'm i'm really trying to say no to myself too <laughs> about my bad habits but to uh, clients as well because taking on too much work was really uh, stressful and i'm not going to do that again Good. That's good to hear. I don't know whether because I read the post that you put on LinkedIn. Oh, okay. And I presume perhaps it came, then came off the back of having lots of work and thinking, well, I've got all this work. Maybe I could, and I'm I'm paraphrasing here, but this is yeah. my own thought processes. I've got lots of work coming my way. There's only so much I can do. Could I maybe outsource some of it? So I almost have like a team of writers. So I'm still like keeping everyone happy. Yeah. And you you tried that, right? Oh my god, yes. <laughs> and it failed so bad. Yeah, and I tried outsourcing and um that's exactly you're exactly right and I was uh, super stressed out about work, super overwhelmed with a lot of the work that I taken and um I was like, okay, let me just try outsourcing some of it. And since I wanted to support people of my own country and I was like, I'm going to work with Pakistani writers. This is not uh, to say that uh, people in Pakistan are not good writers. I am from Pakistan. I am a good writer, and 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 looking and I know that LinkedIn post and, uh, and that was also in a uh, heat of the moment. But looking back at it, there was looking back at the whole process of um, talking to the writers and um, because I actually did interviews before hiring them to write those articles, and I think. looking back at it there was a lot of my mistakes in that process as well and i think i was just in too much hurry and i was super overwhelmed about um you know just getting getting work done that i did not actually um look at the portfolios properly and look at the articles properly and then just made some bad decisions and uh, this is not to say that people from pakistan are not good writers they definitely are but this was just um not handled properly even on my side as well and obviously not on the side of the people that I eventually hired and then you ended up writing 
basically rewriting everything that you outsourced yourself. Yeah, basically that was just a disaster. I basically had to do everything because I was uh, when this, at the start of that month, I was like, okay, I've outsourced this. I'm good to go. And then after uh, two, because I gave everyone deadline of two, three weeks. And then after when I, when the, when those deadlines were approaching, everyone started uh, emailing me. Oh, I had some emergency and I could not do it. And I just started getting stressed out. I was like, why is everyone saying that? And are they not interested in working and uh, submitting those articles? And then when I eventually did receive those articles and they were... They, they they were not the ones I wanted to put my name on and send them to my clients. And I was like, crap. And I was super stressed out. I was like, I have to do this again. I have to rewrite everything myself. And um, I would not recommend anyone outsourcing in a hurry. Don't do that. So you might be tempted to do it again, but just to perhaps approach it in a different way. Absolutely. I have learned um, that even, even though it was a really awful experience, I have learned that I need to, uh, you know, um, and I have, I think someone on uh, Twitter or LinkedIn said something along the lines that they actively uh, seek out writers to collaborate with, even if they're not uh, currently looking for someone to subcontract, they just uh, keep an eye out for good writers. And I think that's what I'm going to do as well. Uh-huh. I'll just keep on, you know, passively looking and seeing if someone, if I like someone's portfolio or if I, if I like someone's article, I'll just name, um, you know, know down their name. And um, if I do uh, eventually decide to subcontract, why not contact them instead of, you know, uh, doing, a, doing a LinkedIn post that I'm looking for writers and then hurriedly doing interviews and hurriedly doing uh, all of that process because that, Nobody, nobody should be doing that for their own sanity. Yes, that's a really good point. Um, actually, it's it's something that we sometimes talk about on the Doing It for the Kids podcast that I also host about that. The idea of keeping an eye out or having a network of people that you could pass work to if you needed to, which could be if you you know you were really busy, like you're saying. But equally, it could be something happens to your family and you have to go and deal with them and so you can't work or something happens to your own health and you can't work but you you can you know you've got those people ready to go because you've already built the connections yeah absolutely and then you know that those people are really good at what they do and you already Mm. have um sort of a relationship with them so yeah i think um i think i'll be going with that approach now yeah. Now, Momina, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true, yeah. one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What do you have for me? Okay, so these are all not work-related. I was like, let's make it fun. <laughs> so these are basically personal. Okay, so f- number one, uh, when I first read Harry Potter, I cried too much. Uh, <laughs> number two, uh, there was once a time that I did not sleep for 56 hours straight. And number three, I have that gene, uh, which uh, for me, which uh, cilantro or tastes like soap. Cilantro? Yeah, uh, I don't know what cilantro is called in uh, UK. Oh, coriander. Oh, so you have a gene that makes coriander, as tastes I would like call soap. it, yeah. <laughs> taste like soap. So okay. Is- At what point do you realize <laughs> that that is what is happening because it could just be that you know you all you and some friends are all eating the same thing and they're all going this is delicious and you're going oh this is like (laughs) how do you figure out (laughs) that it's the coriander and that it's soap and that's what's not aligned so when you uh make lentils which is basically dal here yeah uh, 
and you add coriander. I, Pakistan, in Pakistan, we call it coriander as well. And I was under the impression that you are based in the US. So I said cilantro, but I know now. Uh, <laughs> so let's just call it coriander. And um, so, so, Sorry, so they call coriander cilantro in the US? Yeah, they do. Huh. Okay, well, there we are. That's all right. We've got lots of listeners in America, so they knew what you were talking about from the off. Okay, okay. <laughs> that, that's perfect. So, uh, yeah, so uh, dal, lentils, um, and you add cilantro in it after, you know, just as a garnishing. So once, when, about like when I was in uh, childhood, I was like, I don't like the taste of it. What is it? And that's when, and, and I did not know, I just know, I just knew that I would just tell my mom not to give me the portion of the lentils without the cilantro, and then you can add it later on. And then after quite some time uh, later, I just realized, oh, this is what it is. And this is like a legit thing for when for people who don't like the taste of cilantro, or for not, not don't like the taste of cilantro, but people for people who think that cilantro tastes like soap, there is a, it's a genetic thing. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Next. So you once stayed awake for 56 hours. Yeah. Why? That the answer is not fun. <laughs> I was going through it. So it basically, um, yeah, this is university times, you know, and I already did not like my uh, undergraduate degree, chemical engineering. And I was like um, overthinking and just, um, and also binge watching I think it was Dexter at that time. I was like, I need to just get to the bottom of this. So I think I did not just sleep for 56 hours straight. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And you cried too much at Harry Potter. I mean, I don't quite know how to quantify. Is is this all of the books or just as in the very first book? Oh, no, there is nothing to cry about in the first book, I think. But I think I cried too much uh, in the fifth and sixth one. And I think I was 13 when I first read them. So, yeah, this is this is when I first read them. I don't constantly cry thinking about Harry Potter. <laughs> but like when I first read them when I was 13, um, yeah, I cried two months. Which was the book which first made you cry? Which one? The fifth one and then the sixth one. What, what, what's that called? Um, it's Goblet of Fire and then it's Order of the Phoenix. And then it's... Um, Half I mean, Goblet of Fire does have a. That's a huge ending, isn't it? That 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 in the film. I haven't read the books, but the film was very emotional. I don't want to give a spoiler, in, just in case <laughs> somebody in the world still hasn't watched those films. Okay, the thing is, right? So yeah. the thing with the Harry Potter fact is, how do we quantify crying too much? So I think that's probably true, <laughs> true because. I I can get that. I I don't see how you can cry too much at Harry Potter. The fact that you knew there was nothing to cry about in the first book suggests that you like reading Harry Potter. So, yeah, okay, I'm going to go with... I think that's true. So, can you... The coriander soap, is that that even real? Um, 56 hours no sleep. I just... No, do you know what? I reckon the coriander one is real. Okay. And the 56 hours sleep is the lie. Oh, you're wrong. (laughs) (gasps) <gasps> I am so glad I don't have the coriander gene because I don't really <laughs> like coriander. <laughs> I really like it and I like garnishing it. Uh, so I, I'm so glad I don't have that gene. But that is true. People do have that gene. I just Googled it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good lie. <laughs> 
So yeah, I once did not sleep for 56 hours straight. And yes, I did cry reading Harry Potter. Oh, wow. Okay, well done. Well done. Now, um, Momona, obviously you've not been freelance for that long. But even so, if you could yeah. tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Oh, yeah. Um, I just tell my younger self to be a bit more confident because I... Um, suffer and I'm sure a lot of people do but I suffer from imposter syndrome which is like a huge I, I visualize it as a huge monster telling me that I suck so I just tell my younger self to be um, a, a bit more confident and at least don't doubt uh, your talents and skills because you are good at what you do and you're constantly getting better and you deserve a seat at the table and you're the only person who is in the way of that seat at the table so basically shoot your shot send that dm and send that pitch and you know that's the only way you will get opportunities and uh, the worst that can happen is that you'll get a no and that's okay um so yeah that's basically this is something that i'm going to get framed as well because this is something that i uh, not only need to tell my younger self but i also constantly need to tell myself daily <laughs> <laughs> uh momona it's been so good to talk to you i look forward to seeing what happens uh next as well go to beingfreelance.com and of course as with all of our guests there are links through so that you can find momona online and uh, by the way i noticed that um one of your testimonials is Kaylee Moore, who was yeah. like on a guest on the podcast, must be, yeah, I don't know, seven years ago or something. She was on the podcast. Oh, wow. so I was trying, yeah, yeah, Kaylee's great, isn't she? She's so, amazing um, to work with, yeah. So, yeah, that was, it was funny to see her picture coming up as, as one of your testimonials. So, yes, um, go take a look. Anyway, all of the links are at beingfreelance.com. And if you're new to being freelance, there is also the course for new freelancers, which you can find by going to uh, the website and clicking on the word course. It's very easy, you'd think. Mom and I, thank you so much. And, all the best with being freelance thank you so much for having me and it was really nice to talk to you I told you there was so much in there despite not being freelance for that long thank you to her for sharing her story you heard the importance of community to Momina you can come and join the being freelance community it would be lovely to see you there just click on the community link at beingfreelance.com alright I'm out of here see you for another one next week in the meantime you have a great week being freelance being freelance